This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Ideal Poultry, Garlands of Grace, and our supporters at Patreon.com. I don't practice self-care, and neither do you, even if you call it that. Here are some pictures of some things around my life that bring me great joy, pleasure, rest, fun, and refreshment. I read my Bible at a fast pace with thousands of women all over the world, learning to feast on His Word and let that change us. I love to knit, weave, needlepoint, basically anything revolving around wool and color. That collection of zipper bags is full of different projects. A sweater, a dishcloth, probably a forgotten project. I bought Primrose because it is February and how else would I get through it? I sit down in the day sometimes with coffee, putting my feet up. I often sneak out at night after dinner and enjoy a quiet trip through Goodwill to see if anyone has recently purged glorious sets of china. I bake sourdough because every part of that process delights me, and at the end, my family is delighted as well. We yell at each other to look at the mountain whenever it is doing something glorious like this, and I fairly often startle visitors with the fact that I have a huge loom in a bedroom and a potter's wheel and kiln in the garage. So when I say I am against self-care, and then admit all of this, what does it mean? I believe that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Who made the mountains for us to walk in? Who made sheep with such a useful coat? Who made colors and gave us eyes to enjoy them? Who gave us his word to shape us and refresh us? Who planted a coffee bean that we might enjoy it? Who are all these good gifts from? It is not a gift from me to me. When I take a moment to enjoy the good things God has laid out for us to enjoy, I am no less glorifying him as God than I am when I am doing the dishes, folding the clothes, handling the trash. God is God and he gave us the world. The Christian life is a life of beautiful duties and dutiful beauty. Glorify your God in both. He who gives you your hardest tasks gives you your greatest joys. From Rachel Jankovic in a 2019 Instagram post. Man, I love that post from Rachel. And I know you guys couldn't see the pictures that went along with it, but... I love the way that she connected some dots that we're going to talk about in this episode. And yes, welcome back to Bright Hearth. And I'm Brian Sauvet. <laughs> I'm joined by my lovely wife, Lexi. <clears throat> Say hello to the listeners. Hi. Hello, listeners. It is good to be back with you. And uh, today we're going to be talking about this idea of, man, I hate this ca- this phrase, self-care. I feel like I want to... like. Swish the mouthwash every time I say it. Of, it's almost like I almost think personal responsibility is a better way because even as a Christian, you do have a responsibility to enjoy the mountains. If you're not, you're kind of like a boring person, and yeah, yeah, there's no boring people in Christianity. <laughs> At least there shouldn't be. So that's I, yeah. that's what I think of it is more in terms of taking personal responsibility. Yeah, taking personal responsibility, and also maybe even we could frame it as taking personal responsibility for yourself. Yeah. For yep. making sure that you are fitted and cared for to perform your duties. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. Today, we are going to be talking about that. And to sort of frame the issue, I think this is a, a question that swirled in and out of the zeitgeist in the last couple of years is this idea of self-care. We have the culture kind of screaming at you that basically, if you don't get a certain list of demands met, then you are not being taken care of properly. And you need to make sure that you do those things for you. <laughs> you need to make sure that you get the you get the coffee shop trip and you need to make sure that you get a vacation and you get the pedicure and on Parks and Rec, it's the treat yourself day. And it's like- I feel like it's all areas to 
of checking out instead of checking in. Does that make sense? Mm, explain that a little bit. Like you can zone out at the spa, yes. but you can't zone out at the sewing machine because you might get a needle in your eye. That's true. So does that make sense? Yeah, so it's kind of like framing it around um, the way to have joy is to make sure that you get to check out from your duties. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So that you can be filled up and then... Whereas we are saying enjoying the mountains is a Christian duty. Ah, Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, yeah, I'm following you. <clears throat> and I think this is a really good question because there are ditches on both sides of the road. I think there's a ditch that Reformed Christians often fall into, um, which is kind of an ascetical ditch, or it's a ditch where you don't properly take into account your creatureliness, yeah. your dependence, and your need for certain conditions in order to flourish that, that God has actually intended. That's true. And uh, I think we can deny that and make people into robots and automatons. Or on the other hand, this sort of self-indulgent that you're going to find your greatest joy, not in fulfilling your God-given duties, but in just making sure that you get yours, caring for yourself, making sure that you get the spa day, that you get enough recreation, <laughs> that you get to spend enough money on yourself. So sad. And the culture is <laughs> constantly screaming this, particularly at women. And the yeah. result is that many women are either overtly or even secretly in their hearts discontent in their homes and in their work. And they're just going, why is nobody letting me have the coffee shop day? Doesn't my husband know that three times a week he's got to, you know, send me off to go get a pedicure or to go get a, a frappuccino or whatever it is that people, <laughs> that's what I, that's what I call them. Cause it sounds gay. Anyway, <laughs> it sounds as gay as they actually are. Well, they're tasty milkshakes, but you know, they're not coffee anyway. So we're being screamed at this by culture. We, we thought it'd be helpful to talk about in the context of the productive Christian household and marriage and, and working together to honor one another, what it actually looks like for a husband and wife to care for one another and what it looks like to take care of the things that are in your responsibility so that you can joyfully do your duties and honor your creator who made you and knows your frame and made you to be a creature. Mm -hmm. So we're going to un unfold some principles for you. Sound good? Ready to yep. jump in? Yeah. Excellent. Well, the first principle <laughs> that we're going to talk about here in thinking through this conversation of quote unquote self-care is to recognize that God made human beings to thrive under certain conditions. And that means that they also do shrivel up or suffer under other conditions. We are creatures and that is a good thing. Architecture all the way. <laughs> That's <laughs> immediately you what would. came to mind. Um, I should well, have known. No, no, but but really, this has helped me because I would say maybe like eight years ago, eight to ten years ago, I would have taken much more of a minimalist approach in a home in general because of lack of wanting to keep up with cleaning it. Like, there's lots of things that go into that, but I have come under the understanding that. It is better for me to have more work in a home and have a more aesthetically pleasing home than to have less things and bored people. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> and, so, and so that's a, that's, a, you're, that's a nod to the humanity of the people there. Correct, They're people. Correct. They're not little widgets that yeah. just get plugged in a utilitarian environment and like, well, you technically have shelter. So you're I think good. in terms of the condition of like beauty and coziness, it matters to me that I have a plethora of quilts on my bed. Yeah. It matters to me. And, and so what that means practically in terms of self-care would be <laughs> I'm okay if I see a quilt at a good price. I'm willing to splurge because I know it's going to add to the joy in my home, make it a more 
um, fulfilling place for me to work. It's going to comfort those in my home. Does that make sense? Yeah, one of the practical example. We said God made human beings to thrive under certain conditions, and one of the things that is true about people is that they're not just utilitarian widgets. Correct. And they're not just lumps of meat, which means that people do thrive. For example, more under conditions of beauty, than ugliness. Yep. So it's not stupid to spend money and energy and time to make the home a place of beauty. For example. Yeah. And another way that I think, you know, we could we could explain this would be to say that God didn't make a mistake when he made people to do well when they get eight hours of sleep. Yeah. And to do really yeah. poorly when That's they get good, four. It's a good way to put it. Right. Also. You're yeah. not being more spiritual if every night you get three hours of sleep. Yeah. You're, you actually are, you're being a fool. Yeah. Right. The first when you think about the way that God made us and he gave us the spheres of government, he gave us one of those being self-government where we're to rule our own spirit and we're to order our own lives insofar as it's under our control so that we could glorify God and enjoy him forever. So one very practical implication of that is that you need to get eight hours of sleep. Some of you may be seven, whatever, don't quibble about that, but you need to get a good night's sleep as often as possible. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean fuss and be a jerk when your kids are up at night and seasons are hard, but it's not more spiritual to go about starved of sleep. God made human beings so that they do well when they're physically active. Especially under the guise of self-care of Netflix and chill every night. Seriously. God made people to be to need to do well when they're physically active, meaning that it's it's actually not a, a bad thing to say, I need to order my life to make sure I get a certain number of steps every day. I can lift yeah. some weights, I can do the I can eat well, I can take care of my body so that my body can glorify God and enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not unspiritual. And it's funny because as you get some of these really basic things in place, the output of godly good works just, it just ups the ante everywhere, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Another thing you could say is that God made human beings to do well with rich intellectual life and not to do as well when they're starved for meaty, weighty things to ponder and investigate. Yeah. So taking the time in your day to read a book or to make sure that you're thinking and you're you're investigating the world that God made and you're doing your work well. <laughs> I mean, these are some of the things that um, it might not, in, a lot of people think self-care in the culture and they're like, yeah, get a, get a milkshake and get a pedicure. And it's like, well, but it's not wrong to then, it would be wrong to steer into the other ditch and say, don't take care of yourself at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Right. That's not more spiritual. So God did make us as creatures. We're dependent on certain things. This is a good thing. This is a feature. It's supposed to teach us of our ultimate dependence upon the Lord. And I think it just increases our thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For these good gifts. And that, like, I am grateful that God made me to thrive on milk rather than thriving on popping a pill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I'm grateful that yeah. he made my taste buds to enjoy that, that he made the cow, that he makes butter. Like... That yeah, increases amen. the things to give thanks for. Yes. Again, I really like um, Dr. Joe Rigney's book, yeah, The Things yeah. of Earth. Yeah, that's a good one. Really does a good job of unfolding some of these principles here that we're talking about. But this is, this is, I think, a ground-level idea that you need to understand theologically in order to get this idea of how to care for yourself and in your marriage, how to care for one another well, is that you do need to not fall in the ditch of this frivolent, self-indulgent, self-care, where you hold everybody hostage to make sure that you get the frou-frou things that you need, 
But you do need to rule your life well so that as a creature, you're honoring your creatureliness and getting those things that the Lord has designed you to need in order to fulfill your God-given duties, to have the strength to be a mother, a father, to love a spouse, to well, do your God-given duties. That was something else I was thinking of too, is as a mom, I have had to learn to do those things with children in tow. Yeah. So like when I was quilting on Saturday and Winnie and Cyril are just sitting there poking the machine every few minutes. Um, I knew I wasn't going to get as much quilting time in as I ideally wanted, but I have had to learn to do it alongside the children or even cooking is a really big one for me. I just, it's, it's interesting to me. It always has been, but am I slowing down enough to let the children, you know, mold the bagels Yes. To let them stir the stir fry, to let them yeah. pour in half of the ingredients, then get the other half on the counter. <laughs> like Yeah. <clears throat> I think this is a good this is a great example of how some of the time the way to take care of yourself properly and to exercise your creatureliness of being interested in something like cooking or sewing or these things that are part of the productive Christian household is to also have the self-discipline to say, I'm going to invite other the people, the little people in my life into this in a way that's going to be, you know, tempting to be annoying <laughs> and it's going to require more self-discipline. And I'm not going to say, no, 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 this is mommy's me time. This is mommy's me time, kids. Yeah, and actually Rachel Jankovic has, I don't even remember which one of her other books, but she has a little section in there talking about the same topic. <clears throat> but she was kind of saying like, if I'm looking outside of, my people, like my covenant people for an escape, that's never going to be my identity. Yeah. Because as a mother, my identity is surrounded in these covenant people now. Yeah. So that I think about that all the time in terms of, are you escaping from that? Because you can't, that's not who you are anymore in Christ. That's a great point. Actually, we could say that really one of the big differences that for the Christian, our central joy is to be found in performing our duty, duties as unto the Lord, trusting that he was wise when he made us for those things, so that it wasn't like when he made you to be a mother and a wife and a, a woman, that the central aspects of being a mother and a wife and a woman would be things you need to escape from to go find your joy. But really, I mean, yeah, sometimes you're going to get out and do things on your own, whatever, yeah. but doing those things cheerfully as unto the Lord, that's going to be the center yeah. of your joy and satisfaction in life not escaping from those things. That's good. Lexi, what has been one of the easiest ways to turn a profit in our home in a way that's also fun for the kids? Good question. I think raising backyard poultry tops the list. We get lots of eggs and the kids always love helping take care of the chickens. If you're trying to get your backyard poultry operation started, check out Ideal Poultry. Ideal Poultry is the country's number one backyard poultry provider, and you can benefit from their work by visiting idealpoultry.com and placing an order today. Again, that's idealpoultry.com. Check them out and get some birds for your backyard. Well, number two, and this is related, I think a, a good principle, again, to keep in mind is that taking care of yourself in order to fulfill your God-given duties is a virtue, not a vice. So kind of putting some of what we talked about under principle one positively, taking care of yourself in order that you would be able, to the best of your abilities, to fulfill your God-given duties is a virtue, not a vice. So thinking about things like Paul says bodily training is of some value. So a man, in order to fulfill his role as a man, as a Lord, Savior, Sage, Glory Bearer, Protector, Provider, all these things, he should have enough physical strength to do that, which requires uh, a certain level of activity in his life and you know a certain level of physical action 
running yourself ragged, on the other hand, all the time, can sometimes actually be a cloak for sinful pride and a kind of self-grandiosity, not a virtue, where you're basically trying to say, look at me, look how much work I do, look how little sleep I get. Uh, I'm, it's because I'm just such a hard worker, and you should be so impressed with me. And, and, and what we should all actually be doing is saying, my guy, you were made to, like, you're not God. Yeah. Stop trying to be God. Yeah. Lay down. In order, like, in order to exercise the discipline to accomplish some of these things requires virtue. Yes. So it's not necessarily that, like, the workout is virtuous. Right. But are you ordering your schedule in such a way that you get to the word in the morning and a workout if that's your priority? Yeah. Um, And then the other thing I was thinking about, too, is there are genuine seasons of life where you don't get to put your needs first. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of seasons of life when you have a lot of young kids, a lot of your season of life. So if you're, if you are trying to pursue this faithfully, you can actually deal with those harder seasons better because your recovery time is uh, reliably there. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's actually exact. I mean, number three, the third principle that I wrote down here for our outline is to say that, I mean, that said, so you've got this principle that taking care of yourself to fulfill your God given duties, that's actually a virtue. Like that's just part of managing the resources and talents and the strength and days and times and minutes and all the things he's entrusted to you. Managing those well does mean taking care of yourself so you can continue to fulfill those duties. Physically, spiritually, mentally, all of those ways. But number three, that said, there are times when you will be called of God and required by God to do unsustainable, painful things, things that seem in the moment to hurt you and not to help you. So for example... And I know there's other ones you could give, babe, but I think about as a pastor, there are times when the Lord will call me and has to do things that regularly wouldn't be great for the, you know, like the phone call comes in, someone's in the Mm, hospital at 10 p.m. or in the middle of the night, and I'm like, I got to go. I'm going to be gone maybe all night Yeah, ministering to a family or something like that, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Now, could I not get sleep every night? And and No, like pregnancy is another example of this, where there's, it's not going to feel good all the time. God's going to call you to painful seasons sometimes. I think of actually the Sabbath, like mm-hmm. um, the act of mercy, caring for the sick on the Sabbath. I think yeah. it's a good principle here too of obviously when my kids are sick, I mean, seriously, I don't know. <laughs> I've been to church like five times since November, yeah, I feel right. like at this oh. point. But I like even in telling the kids that when they get sad, like we're missing church again, I just remind them like this is an act of worship to the Lord also. It's an act of mercy. I, I, we're not sinning because we're not, you know, in church on Sunday morning. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're going you're gonna to be called sometimes to do things that in the short term are painful. And, and, and like, you know, think about the way the world talks about mental health where they're continually like, you need to protect your mental health. I need to take a mental health day. I need to do all the, I mean, it's just continual talk about mental health. And one of the things that we as a generation, sometimes in a culture are being trained to do is to avoid hard things in the name of mental health. Yeah. Where what God actually does is he gives us hard things. They pass through his hands and he gives us those things in order to actually strengthen us and to train us for righteousness and godliness. There are seasons of trial that we should not consider it strange Peter says when they when we encounter them. Why? Because God's given them to us for a benefit. Sometimes there are seasons of discipline where God is giving us hard things and, he, and they actually they pass through his hand and come into our life with his yes and his permission. And 
we're not supposed to say, Lord, I need a mental health. Like I need a, I need no. a day for, to get out. He's saying, no, this is the thing that's actually going to strengthen and yeah. benefit you. There, uh, in the Bible reading challenge today, we read Psalm 41. This section really stuck out to me. He says, blessed is the one who considers the poor in the day of trouble. The Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. And I was just thinking of like what an opposite, like this person is is being generous to others, is pouring himself out to others, and the Lord is protecting him as a result. Oh, that's so Like good. that's what the world does not factor into mental health and self-care, that yeah. there's actually a God who is has unending resources for yeah. us. When we're doing our duties in hard seasons, he can fill us back up. Yes. Even if we don't get the hot cup of coffee. Yes. The the date night, the hot cup yep. of coffee, the time to myself, the whatever it is I think I need in order to be a functioning Christian. It's like, look, when God gives you hard seasons, he knows that you have what you need. You have what you need to get through it. Yeah. There's no trial that comes upon us that's it's not that is unique to us that no one's ever been through. They're common. No temptation. Um, we look to the Lord who suffered. He had no nowhere to lay his head. Um, we look to the apostles as an example who uh, they often suffered extreme circumstances. And in all of those things, still, Paul said, rejoice. He said that he had enough, whether he was abounding or lacking, the Lord was teaching him contentment. Yeah. And so we have to factor that in, that yes, there's a baseline normative level of human existence that God created where we need a certain amount of sleep and food and we need certain things and we do better under those circumstances and you know, every man under his fig tree... All of that is is glorious and good and great, and we shouldn't discount that with some kind of false ascetic theology that would undermine our humanness and our creatureliness. And yet, for the purposes of our sanctification, our fruitfulness, our virtue, our Christ-likeness, the Lord will allow us to walk through seasons that are very difficult, where the thing we're learning is my life for yours, yeah. how to die— <laughs> and how to trust in resurrection on the other side of that death. Yep. And we yep. shouldn't be in the midst of those things saying, Lord, don't you know that I need three hours at Starbucks to read my book today, or I can't be virtuous Christian? Yeah. I'm sorry, no. Yeah, you have everything you need to obey right now. Amen. Yeah, you. the Lord has given us what we need. And, and number four, let's talk about marriage now, because... A lot of this discussion does center again around you fight to get yours. You make sure that you have the self-care day, the mental health day, the things that you need to treat yourself. Um, don't rely on anybody else to give you these things. We're really in Christian relationship. There's a mutuality where you're supposed to, where I die for my wife, my wife dies for me, where we, we lay our lives down for the sake of one another and so in marriage, I would say, number four, the the husband and wife should each be seeking to outdo one another in showing honor, including making sure they're getting the things that God designed for human beings to need to flourish wherever possible. So here, it is important that a husband and a wife are, to the best of their ability, making sure that the other is getting what they need in their creatureliness. So an example would be, Let's make sure that as a husband, we've talked about this quite a bit, I'm not asking my wife to do something that is impossible for a creature to do. I'm not saying, here's no money, now make a house, now make a, a, a productive household. 
She can't do that, right? I'm not saying to my wife, oh, you're pregnant, and also um, I'm going to take on 16 hobbies this season, and I'm going (laughs) to need you to weed the garden, feed the chickens, uh, slaughter the rabbits, take the kids to 16 music lessons, uh, have three meals on the table a day, make sure they're healthy, and also in the meantime be sexually available, spotless house, no dishes in the sink. Like you're treating your wife in a way that's inhuman. Yeah. You have to make sure that you outdo your wife in showing her honor and care for her, right? So that yeah. she's not feeling like she has to fight to get any time at all to sit down or to rest or to, you know, pursue normal human, yeah, normal humanness. And, and, the, and it goes the other way too. Yes. This episode of Bright Hearth is sponsored by Garlands of Grace, which is a wonderful Christian company that offers a variety of very versatile head coverings, head wraps, and headbands for sale for women and girls. They're very versatile. Uh, You know, whether you're head covering for uh, 1 Corinthians 11 reasons or just looking for a pretty and feminine head covering, they've got you covered. Babe, why do we like Garlands of Grace? I really liked Garlands of Grace because when I was first trying to um, recover this call to head cover, I didn't necessarily want something that was super trendy and that everyone else was doing. Um, And I found their pieces really feminine and timeless in a way that just a lot of other coverings that you could pick up at Target or on Amazon just weren't and they are very quality and if you are a mom trying to cover in a pew with wiggly children you know how hard it is to actually keep a head covering on yes and i really like their volumizer brand uh, bands that are velvet and they stick to your head and i have had no issues with them so yeah i really like them and they're a sister owned company yeah christian owned sister owned and they're all made in the usa so a great company to support we would uh, commend you husbands if you're listening go check this out as a thoughtful gift for your wife or your daughters they have head wraps for uh, ladies as well as little girls and they've got a whole lot of different styles a lot of different beautiful colors and a really great quality company. So we're glad to have them as a sponsor for this episode of Bright Hearth. And uh, you can support us by supporting them. So head over to garlandsofgrace.com. You can use the link in the description of this episode. And we hope that you'll give them your support. What are some ways, uh, babe, do you think that a wife can do this for her husband? I think one of the biggest ones consistently is a wife giving the husband the gift of time to go do other things. Uh, I think it's the rare husband who is content to stay home all the time. Because of that, it's, you know, a husband's already leaving, should be leaving in some capacity during the day, even if he works from home now. Sure. (laughs) Um, But I, I do think it is, it can be harder because of that for the wife to then say, okay, you know, go take one night a month then and go do something. But yeah, I remember back when we just had two little boys and you used to go rock climb, multiple nights a week, really late with one, a guy that I totally trusted and admired. And I knew because of your time spent with him, you were going to be a better dad and husband. So I'm not saying necessarily go send him off with the riffraff, but if, if it is a worthy reason that he's going with worthy men who are going to build him up in Christ and masculinity and all that stuff, then yes, you also will benefit from his time away. Yeah, from pursuing things like male friendship and, and yes. which are uh, absolutely essential to creating and forging men. Yeah, your sons are going to need this. Your husband needs this. What about on the other hand? How can a husband serve his wife 
in her creatureliness and make sure that he's out doing her and showing honor in um, providing the space for her to be a human being to, you know, f- to flourish essentially. Um, okay. So two things come to mind. One of them is like to be continually having open communication about expectations. Yeah, so she's good. not taking on too much stuff in a season that is genuinely hard for her. You know, if, if you're a godly wife, you want to please your husband. You don't want to look lazy. You don't want to look like, you know, you're sitting on your hands at home. So I, I think it's okay and helpful when a husband sometimes says, Hey, just focus on this. Don't worry about this. The other thing too, for me, I don't know, maybe, maybe other personalities are different, but sometimes I, I'm not good at like consistently saying, Hey, I want to do X, Y, Z at these regular intervals. For me, it's more like spurts <laughs> Yeah, where I'm like, Hey, tomorrow, do you mind taking all of us to this one place? I've really been researching this all week. I want to check this out. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like it requires flexibility on your part or I don't know what it is or like a go get him attitude. I don't know. What do you have to do when I say something like that? Yeah, no, I think what you're talking about is actually knowing your wife, like knowing what gets my wife jazzed, what fills her tank. Is it being with a lot of other people? And some ladies are like that. That is absolutely not my wife, by the way. She's not like, uh, no, it's honey, usually can like, we get like 60 other people around us this weekend? I remember a couple of months ago, it was like in the fall. I said, hey, I found this new antique store in Salt Lake in the middle of nowhere. I've never heard about it. Can you take me and the kids? Which the last thing all of us really want to be doing is squeezing seven of us people in a tiny antique store. Oh, boy. But it's one of those things that's like, yeah, sure, we'll grab a, grab a coffee on the way and it'll be fun and fine. Yeah. And yeah, so... Yeah. Again, like a husband making sure that he's uh, that the central joys are coming from cultivating a life together, not yeah. escaping the duties. Like for you, it's less. Hey, babe, go get some coffee by yourself. I mean, I've done that, but that's not necessarily the thing that gets yeah. you as fired up. So I think it's a key for a husband to know his particular wife. Yeah. Some of your wives, you absolutely should send them out occasionally and say. Go do your thing. Go antique, whatever, on your own. Because a lot, like some ladies, that's what really helps them. Know your wife. Make sure that she's getting enough. But also just like, I think monitoring, is my wife getting enough sleep? Well, the other thing too (laughs) is you've had to do this a lot more this year for me. And I feel like I've always tried to do this because I know you're not as used to being in the house with a bunch of children all the time as I am. Uh So- both sides, we've set the other person up for success when we're going to do something else. Yeah. Like when you've traveled, you've said, what are the things that you need Yes, to make this easier? Or a lot of times the reason I say, hey, come with me to do this is because I know it's easier for us to all go do something fun together than for you to stay home with the kids while I go do that. Sure. So we're helping. I feel like that honors one another by still trying to meet one another's needs. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and then we get time together. Yeah. So so lastly, I think this is a, a good point to end on for this episode, is, is just to recognize that much of what our culture considers proper self-care is actually simply the cultivation of selfishness and self-centeredness. And it's the difference, the way to think about this is the difference between growing a garden and growing a plot of weeds. Growing a garden versus growing a plot of weeds, meaning don't let the world set your ideas about what a soul and a body primarily need because the world does not know what you actually need primarily. 
the world is going to tell you, ladies, it's going to tell you what you need is more you. You need to understand yourself. You need to dive deeper into your Enneagram and your personality quiz. And you need to know like, what does your Enneagram wing seven R five Q red purple Y Z need for, you know, maybe you need, you're an introvert wing seven, four. So you need coffee and alone time, or you need, you know, this, and if nobody else is doing this for you, then they don't love you. And so you need to seize it, you need to do it for yourself. A lot of it's the cultivation of a toxic self-love where we're mining deeper in ourselves to try and find joy and satisfaction. It's. Do you remember a few years ago that like self-love thing that happened, the trend, I guess, mm -hmm. where it was like, love yourself, pay for headshots. Do you remember that? Oh yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. It's just self-indulgent, <laughs> narcissistic. So it's like, and okay. the thing is, Anyways. the problem is you are not a well where you're going to find joy and satisfaction in yourself. No, that's because you're a is. limited resource. Right. <laughs> that's Lord. why self-care doesn't work. No. Enjoy the Lord and his creation to the glory of God. And so on the other hand here, I think when you, what we're talking about is actually thinking of yourself as a person that you're in charge of. And what would you do to make sure a person you were in charge of flourished in performing their God-given duties heartily as unto the Lord and trying to find their joy in the Lord and the duties he's given them? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, that's a really good... Yeah, I like that a lot. So you're not thinking like, what do, what do my children need? They just need a frappuccino and some alone time. No, they need discipline. They need to find joy in their vocation, work excellently, be fruitful, and then they'll be joyful. Like, absolutely. And of course, they need sleep and they need all these things in order to do that. And I love them, so I'm going to take care of them. And it's like, well, yeah, so so think about yourself in that way. How can I rule over my own spirit in such a way that I'd be self-controlled, godly, disciplined, and joyful? All right, well, let's go do that. And yeah, you are going to have to make sure that you take care of yourself in doing that. Yeah. I, I just want to say one last thing is, as a mom, I think one of the most helpful ways for me to maintain, I don't know, to just maintain like happiness and joy in my work has been regular built-in times every day where I can do whatever I want. Like nap yeah. time, I can do whatever the heck I want. Yeah. I can go outside and lay in the sun if I want. I can go read a book. I can go quilt. I can go cook something. Mm. But again, that, that's just one really, like you have to, takes discipline to do that. It means yeah. you have to be setting up a schedule so the vacuuming gets done during not nap time. Yes. And dinner gets done during not nap time. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's a really good habit for everybody for moms and dads to have time, like after 6 p.m., we read books and then hang out and that's it. And like, what are, nothing else. What are you doing then? You're being a creature. You're saying creatures yes. aren't just continually productive. Yeah. And then like with our kids, it, it reflects on them because, you know, we have one that enjoys quiet time and one boy that doesn't. He enjoys disrupting quiet time. <laughs> and so we've <laughs> talked to him about how, no, this is what humans do. All humans need to cultivate this kind of quiet time. It's not just mom and dad because right. we're tired. It's what humans do. Yes. So I just wanted to say that I have to go get my yeah. humans up. Yeah, I'll wrap up the episode, babe. You, you rock it. I'll wrap us up here. Thanks again for listening, guys. We hope this was helpful to you. And I just want to leave you with this, this thought and this assignment for your consideration. Consider what it means to be a creature made in the image of God with the particular duties and vocations he's given you. And think about it, what it means to live with the grain of your creatureliness. You are not a widget in a factory that's designed to produce output continually all the time. You need rest. You need space. You need space for thinking. It's not wrong that you need these things. It's not wrong that you enjoy beauty or leisure. Those are all good things, good gifts from the Lord to be received with joy, with thanksgiving. 
And when you do receive them with joy and thanksgiving as from the Lord, then they glorify God and they will build you up. They will build you up and, and they'll make you into a fruitful man or a fruitful woman. And so make sure that you you understand that about your own nature, but also don't fall into the ditch. Don't fall into the ditch of self-centered, self-indulgent, narcissistic, uh, essentially narcissistic self-care culture that the world wants to throw you because it's just a it's just a pit. You're not going to find joy there. You're just going di- to dig further and further into your own self. You will not find joy or satisfaction there. So instead, look to the Lord. Look to the duties He's given you. He's good. He's for you. It's his good pleasure to give you his kingdom. And thanks for listening, guys. Uh, If you'd like to support the show and also get access to our patron-exclusive podcast, In the Kitchen, uh, you can do that uh, at the link in the description. Uh, And uh, for most of our tiers, we send you a sweet Feed the Patriarchy mug and give you access to the whole back catalog of that patron-exclusive podcast where we um, go, go deep and practically on lots of details of topics from the season, and more. We answer questions and interact there quite a bit more than social media. And so uh, if you like this show and you'd like to continue to make it possible, do share it with your friends and uh, recommend it to anyone you think would be helpful. But also we'd invite you to check it out there on patreon.com. And also, uh, while, while I have you, if you haven't already, please leave us your most honest, of course, five-star review wherever you're listening. And uh, until next time, this has been Hopefully another helpful episode of Bright Hearth.